You're listening to episode 44 of the Urban Yogi Podcast featuring Ryan Yada. Ryan Yada is a husband, father, mentor, and entrepreneur spreading love all around the world. He believes in living a life of heart and honesty. When we are passionate about spreading love throughout our own universe, we can uplift those around us. He loves spending his time being present with his family, creating innovations, and helping others succeed in life. Whatever your desires are, he is here to support your manifestation. Ryan lives his life with a unique style of values and beliefs. With truth and authenticity, we all have the opportunity to taste our own greatness. Ryan is excited to share with you his own journey, his men's work, mentorship, and life story. I hope that you enjoy my interview with Mr. Ryan Yada. So I'm with Ryan Yada, and he is the founder of the men's group that I'm in, Being Man. And uh, I met Ryan first through his wife, uh, Lara Kozan, who started Y Yoga and Nectar Juicery. Um, we started teaching workshops together in 2010. And, um, and I was like, who is this cute man? <laughs> and then I realized that not only is he cute, but he's got brains and he's one of the kindest souls I've ever met. Um, tell me about yourself. Where did you like grow up? Well, hey, Will, thank you for uh, having me <laughs> on your podcast. Yeah. Um, and I'll say that I'm the, I guess, co-founder of Being Men. You know, uh, who else started it with you? It was a group of us that uh, I certainly won't take credit for, but... Um, cool. Yeah, we had started, we had joined, and some of us had been a part of a different men's group, and I learned a tremendous amount about myself, like, man, uh, just, yeah, some of the concepts, and really more so being in, like, a safe space with guys to right. work through stuff was, oh, man, life-changing for me. I came out of that first weekend I did just higher than, higher in life than I don't know if, I'd, if I've ever been before. And that was in a, in a previous in, men's group? Previous men's group that is cool. definitely no longer around. Um, mm. So we learned, I learned a lot from th- that experience and mm-hmm. so I realized how valuable that was for myself yeah and for the guys that I was working with in there so mm-hmm. we decided to keep that going and yeah. so uh six of us from that group joined up with uh one of my dear friends and you, you know your friend as well Dr. Suki Muker nice and so with Suki and Dario and Tim and Thomas and Kavi and Kevin um we all started our own team nice uh, and and I think we knew we we're onto something that we wanted to grow because we called ourselves Team 001. Oh. Just, you know, numerical in terms of growth. And, um, but we just, for so the you always first... had the intention to expand and make it something big. Yeah. Cool. Whether we fully appreciate the, the, the scale of it or not, maybe it doesn't grow. Who knows? But all I know well, is there's that... eight groups now, eh? Yeah. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, I mean, without really having... We haven't done anything to promote it. Mm-hmm. But I know we just made it super valuable, so valuable for the seven of us mm-hmm. that other guys are like, holy cow, like, what are you guys doing? We want to do what you're doing, right? Yeah. So we just spent, like, two years on daily practices, on content that we were doing, books that we were reading, mm-hmm. stuff that we were integrating, stuff we were willing to share, you know, and just getting so close as a, as a team, as a, as a mm-hmm. group of guys that now when we talk to other guys, they're like, oh, my goodness, like, of course we would want to join that. That sounds incredible. Totally. Yeah. What do you think is the definition of man? I like that it's called being man, and I like that it, you've said in the past it's not about mm-hmm. being a one. It's not about being John Wayne. <laughs> it's yeah. about, unless, unless that's what you resonate with, it's sure. like a diversity of being man. Tell me about that. Right, yeah. That was a fascinating conversation. I'll always remember when someone brought that up, like, well, what does it mean to be a man? You know, and I was like, I don't know, I never really thought about that before. 
I guess for me now, why, why, why we call it being man instead of like being the man is like, it's not, you know, cause be the man is like that insinuates that there's some version of the man that we're supposed to be. Right. And same with like, oh, man up. And there's a lot of terms. Or like at least, toxic masculine terms. Yeah. That are, that stir up a certain connotation and stereotype of what it means. So mm-hmm. being man is just being whatever that is for you. Uh, for me, right? And for, for anyone in the group, it's like, who's the greatest expression, the fullest expression of who I'm meant to be? I feel like I want to be as a man, not mm-hmm. maybe what I thought or what belief system I took on that I don't actually resonate with from, you know, previous generation or right. what I see reflected in the news or in TV shows that doesn't actually feel good for me. But it really starting to dig into that and be like, well, yeah, okay, wait, no, no, this is who I feel like I am. And just really getting into a space of other guys that are on the same path and genuinely want to support each other to bring out the best in each other, you know? That's cool. I have a friend who's a student who's transgender and uh, he's also First Nations and uh, I was invited. I was like, oh, you should join this group. He's like, well, but I'm like trans. I'm not a male or a female. He's like, but I can see the importance of men's group spaces at this time in our human evolution. Right. What do you think is the importance of men getting together and and sharing ideas and supporting each other and holding each other accountable? Right. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I yeah, I can appreciate. I can share from my experience. I, you know, and um, so for me, the importance is like. I mean, I grew up fortunately with in a lot of healthy male environments, like some really great sport teams. Like a lot, I played a lot of sports growing up. I had. I've, I mean, I'm blessed of some phenomenal coaches. Mm-hmm. Looking back. Um, some real strong leaders, you know, some great leaders in companies I used to work for and uh, bosses I used to work for and, and, and my dad, you know, best example I, I can have, you know, in terms of what he reflected back to me. Um, and so, yeah, I feel very fortunate in that respect. I mean, for me, the importance of the work is it's different when you get together as just guys mm-hmm. and you set the intention to be real and let mm-hmm. down the guard, let that, you know, drop the mask you know, check the ego at the door, whatever you want to say, but just being willing and open to... Like vulnerable. Yeah, sure. Thank you for shortening my ramble, ran, uh-huh. ran, ran, rambling on, um, rambling on. The, being vulnerable, being real, and allowing, you know, to, to ask for help. Like, there's like the whole lone wolf thing too. Right. Like a lot of guys have that I've had. So asking for help, being vulnerable... And like replacing the idea of competition with a, a sort of a, a sharing of knowledge and information to help everybody thrive. Right. And then, um, yeah, like, I guess with like the, the, like there used to be a stereotype, and maybe some guys have it, where like vulnerability is weakness, right? There's kind of that belief mm-hmm. system. But like, man, the power of being real, you know, you, 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 know, you, you, you can feel it. You want to help. Like, I want to help the guy when he's being real, right? And, and so you stir up that power in us to generally support each other and you can get to a level you never thought of in yourself on your own right true that what do you think of the archetypes uh king warrior magician lover what do they mean to you and can you detail for the listeners what each one is archetypically right yeah it does need some explanation guys first hear it um i love it you know when my coach kevin first introduced that to me and it's um i can't remember the book it's the it's like the four archetypes king warrior magician lover the four archetypes of the mature masculine i think it is oh okay yeah yeah and so I just, when I found that, I like systems. I like things that make things easier in life. Like I love efficiencies. Mm-hmm. And so having a, a nice four quadrant system that kind of helped me look at my life and say, okay, how are my relationships going in the lover quadrant? So the, the yeah. lover quadrant yeah, is about relationships with yourself, with others. You know, so how does that, how do I feel about my relationships? How do I feel about that quadrant of things? King is like 
systems and business and finances and and, and that quadrant, at least that's the way I look at it. So how am I doing there? How would I like to do there? How would I like to feel about my finances? How are, how are they actually today? And then, okay, can I get some help to get to what a 10 truly feels like if I feel like today I'm at like a six, you know? Cool. So it's great. For each one of those quadrants, that's one of the systems that was really helpful for me that, that Kevin brought to me was really feeling into what a 10 is. Yeah. And then really taking an honest look at where you are now and then going, okay, at least I know like what a 10 looks like and feels like and I know that I'm at a 5 or a 6 or a 4 or 3 or whatever it is at least now I have like a, like a map I know where I'm coming from and where I want to go to right. I can figure out the rest in the middle but at least I have some direction so with uh, Warrior that's like um, rituals and health and fitness and, mm-hmm. and spiritual practices and in that bucket of, of, of stuff and mm-hmm. you know, that, that's been so game changing for me is, is really installing super Elevating, uh, I call them fire stoking rituals, right? That what are some of your hot fire stoking ritual tips or yeah. ones that you do? Find out what works for you. Like, man, I, I, I used to have, like, you know, done a lot of Tony work and I have my hour of power, you mm-hmm. know, doing all the stuff that Tony says to what do. What time do you do it at? Or, like, what do you recommend to do it at? I think it worked, you know, what's been really helpful for me is also figure out my cycles, like when I feel best in the day. I mean, morning for, for me has been the best. Mm-hmm. And I guess the analogy I love to use for fire stoking is it's like our. It's like our, our, our spirit, right? The, the fuel inside of us. Spirit? Spirit. Well, so... I thought you said spear. Spell, yeah. Spirit. Like, yeah, spirit. Spirit. You know, it's our, the fuel, that, that fire inside of us. Right. And so I look at it like a real fire, like a campfire. Right. So I go to bed at night, and if I wake up in the morning, the first thing I got to do is stoke the campfire, otherwise right. it goes out. So if I leave it too long, and I've done this lots, I'll go, no, I'm good. I'm riding high. I'm feeling great. I don't need to do my rituals anymore. And so I'll go for a while, but then eventually the fire burns out. Right. So now I'm very good at stoking the fire every morning and getting that thing going. And not too much. You know, Tim, we had a great chat about this in our group. Tim was like, yeah, but you can't put too much gas in the fire because then you burn it out. You extinguish right. it, right? But not enough and it goes out too. So right. finding, that that, spot. finding that sweet spot for you and really f- feeling into it and like, okay, yeah, this is working. I'm feeling better. I'm feeling better. I'm feeling stronger. I'm feeling healthier. I'm feeling more alive and more vibrant, you know? Yeah. So and sometimes it's big and sometimes I'm, at minimum I do three things. What I wake up, well, it's a little bit longer. I wake up, clear the bowels first thing in the morning, mm-hmm. typically like some more warm lemon water, something good into the system, um, and then I'll tune into what I'm grateful for. One, nice. you know, one thing at least I'm grateful for, uh, I'll do a, a meditation practice that's certainly evolved over the last few years. Um, what kind of meditation? Now, you know, at minimum it's 5, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, you know, 15 minutes usually at minimum. Sometimes it'll go an hour. But for me right now, it's uh, thanks to uh, Michael Beckwith. You know, oh, Suki yeah. and I got to do a four-day silent meditation retreat with him. Mm. And so he had a great, simple practice of helping me go within. Cool. And, um, and really getting more in touch with the real me. You know, some people call it different things. He calls it your eternal self. Nice. And so ultimately, his practice was... Um, ultimately, his practice that he you know, guided us through was same thing be find something to be great feel grateful for mm-hmm. when you go into meditation um say to yourself this is the first time like you let go of any expectations or you know presuppositions of what it's going to be like and be like no this is the first time first I mean, time, new experience yeah. the first time i'm doing it. it's all new right, so you've got that curiosity that excitement so grateful gratitude um excitement and you know and curiosity because it's new uh, breathing in abundance and prosperity and health and breathing out limitation and fear and lack and and also you get into the breathing cycle as well so you're paying attention and and present with your breath Um, and then allowing yourself to just start to journey within 
Cool. So I even physically kind of see myself going deep within and kind of going into like a, you know, it feels like going into the the solar system, the universe, but inside, you know? Nice. So I just kind of hang out there and he, he ultimately left us with like, become the master of your attention. And so, yeah, uh, your mind's going to wonder. Yeah. And then, so how good are you at bringing it back to nothing? Like mm. bringing it back to that place, being back to the present moment and not letting it wander, but not being hard on yourself. Bring it back, bring it back, bring it back. So, right. yeah, that's that's what it looks like. And then at the end, saying a little prayer for, for what you want to bring positive intention to. And that's it. Nice. And then some stretching after that. Cool. Yeah. You went to Tony Robbins. You just got back this morning, eh? Yeah. How yeah. was that? And what were some of the things you learned there? I should do all my podcasts on the other side of a Tony event where... Like, you're just, like, lit up with ideas and conversation and so stimulated. And so uh, so this event I've done now, this is my seventh event with Tony Robbins. Mm. And, you know, I want to say, and I think everyone's got an opinion if they know who he is. I guess until you've been in the room with him, like, in, in one of his events, man, you don't know him. Like, I thought right. I did, you know, from his tapes and whatever, infomercials and movies he'd been in and all that. But until I got to that, go to that first event, a whole different experience. Wow. And I look at him right now, like Michael Jackson, like, I wish I had been able to see me, or I wish I had, you know, gone to see Michael Jackson when he was alive. Right. I really felt that full experience in person. Yeah. And so Tony's now, I think he's almost 59, and he's like, he's still peaking. And so for me, it's like, man, like, see, why not be able to be in the presence of someone who's just a master of their craft yeah. when they're peak, at their peak. And at the same time, not putting them up on a pedestal. Like, there's all this controversy about Michael Jackson coming out this week, mm-hmm. and there's a new documentary about how he molested little children, and <clears throat> I guess they're speaking out for the first time. And it's like, when you put somebody up on a pedestal, they've got a long way to fall. It's like, can we be inspired by their art and what right. they were put on this earth to do? You know, so I just, because that was in the news today, and people are like, oh, like, I'm not going to listen to Michael Jackson's music anymore because he's a pedophile. It's like, well... Like, do we know the whole situation? Like, sure. is it is it right to just completely dismiss somebody's art just because they're you know they're not perfect, they're not a human, or they're not they're not a, a god? Right, right. Yeah, I, I've got a couple thoughts in that. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, Tony, you know that was his documentary. Right? I'm not your guru. Right. Like, don't put me on a pedestal. Mm-hmm. You know, but like, I'm really good at what I do. You've got a lot to learn, right? Um, mm-hmm. Like, I learned a lot from that first men's group I was in. But mm. boy, you know, you run into a, yeah, you run into. A, I guess there's a lot of examples where groups can run into a problem if they do put that, you know, person up on a pedestal and they become the supreme leader and you basically give up your power to them, right? Right. Versus, you know, Tony's work and the work I love doing is getting myself empowered. He's helping me do that. But it's not, like, I don't give my power over to him and that's the only way I can do it. Like, I go see Michael Beckwith and I go see uh, other teachers um, to help me be the most empowered I can be and I'm very grateful for the work that they do and, and mm-hmm. the things they reflect back to me. And, yeah, Tony's a phenomenal guy. He's a massive guy. Like, it's cool when you're in his presence. And at the same time, I don't have that, like, oh, you know, like, it's Tony Robbins. Like, uh, you, uh, it's only because of you. Right. You know? And you're doing it for, like, the right reasons. You're doing it to um, better embody who you want to be. It's like, a, using, it's like a, an experience to become catalyzed to move towards your own individual greatness, which will help your tribe. Right. You know, I'm, I'm not... And, and Tony's got some great sayings you know one of them is you know your bigger your mission the greater the insights so for me you know when I make it about if I made it just about me 
you know, I'm, I'm not going to get great insights into doing stuff in this world, I feel like. Right. When I'm there and I know why I'm there, I'm there for, for bringing out the best in me, right? the fullest part of me. I'm doing it for my three kids. I'm doing it for my wife so I can be the best husband for her, the best father for my kids, the best me I possibly can, you know, to lead the, the team that we've got in my company, mm-hmm. to be, uh, you know, the, the orchestrator of our men's group. I mean, wherever I show up to be the best possible me, yeah, Tony's really good at helping me do that. That's awesome. And so it is not just for me. And I realize that when I'm in that place and I'm at, say, an event like his or Beckwith, Michael Beckwith's, man, the stuff that, the ideas that come to me are very different than when I'm in a kind of a more selfish, I don't know, it's about me state. Right. It's incredible. Right. It's, I feel the same like with um, the whole Kundalini yoga lineage. Like if I get up early and stoke my fire and then like meditate, like it's crazy the, the ideas I get. And then I will go to senior teachers who studied directly with Yogi Bhajan and I will learn from them. And it's like my classes are just on fire the few weeks after I'm with these people because I like absor- it's like a sp- you become like a sponge and like they say you're like the top the sum of the top five people you surround yourself with, kind of that whole thing. Mm-hmm. You kind of become like those you surround yourself with. Um, so you know, I think it's important to surround yourself with people you're inspired by. Absolutely right. Like we're so or obviously we're energetic beings, and so if you're hanging around people that are of lower energy and um, you know, just aren't interested in the same things you are or on the same path, then, yeah, it's a little harder to keep your energy up and stay on your path. I and mean, you can do it. It's just maybe not optimal right. versus surround yourself with, you know, I don't know the, the numbers and where those came from, but, you know, 5, 10, 15, 20. I mean, yeah. sure, I'll hang out with 50 people that are vibing <laughs> super high and, and 400 people at this event or 15,000 at UPW yeah. next month, you know, and vibe with that tribe. Yeah. Man, like that really amplifies what I'm doing and totally. just accelerates it. You know, for me, that's that's speed is important just because... I want to do a lot of stuff in this life and I want to do it quick so I can spend more time with my kids and my totally. wife, you know, so. Totally. Um, I was just interviewing Christiane Northrup and she said, like, we're part of the wake-up crew mm. and that um, some people just aren't going to wake up and that's okay. And she said it's kind of like the analogy of your mother coming into your room when you were, like, in elementary school or high school and being like, wake up, it's time for school. And, like, turning on the lights and it's like, ah, oh, it's really irritating. Like, if you're if your dharma is to be part of the wake-up crew at this time in his human history on this planet, some people are going to be irritated by your light. And that's what I love about, like, yoga and good daily habits is, like, it, it, it strengthens me. Because, like, in my astrological chart, like, it actually says that I, the way I present myself is weird in the eyes of the status quo and I will kind of trigger and irk certain people. So, like, if I, like take good care of myself and it doesn't actually bother me mm. at all like right. whether somebody praises me or criticizes me I'm just like cool but if I'm not taking care of myself then I take the criticism personally I just found that really interesting I got you yeah have you experienced that and like how does um, the work that you do with Tony uh, keep you like high vibing and like mm. well what, yeah like well you, yeah you touched on a lot of big stuff that I love talking about uh, like you know I feel like what I heard with what you're saying at the end there is just around like self belief Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so that's been a huge thing that I wrestled with as a young child. Like, I was really good at, like, piano, for example. Oh, you I, played piano? As a kid, yeah. High five, yeah. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, Will is a masterful uh, musician here. That's cool that you played piano. Beautiful yeah. piano player and singer. And Thank you. Yeah, like, you know, you reflect back to me what could have been possible, you know, had I kept with it. Maybe Did you do the Suzuki method? Or or a conservatory? Or a conservatory, yeah. Oh. So it just wasn't fun. Yeah, I did the Suzuki method from Japan, which was more uh, listening by ear. Oh, yeah. So they'd play you a track, and then you'd learn it by ear, which I liked. Oh, that would have been, yeah, fun. to get in a time machine and go back and do it. But, I mean, I'm I'm super grateful. I'll teach you. I'll give you a lesson. Sure. (laughs) Teach that to my kids then. Yeah. You know, I was grateful I went into the lessons. Like, my teacher said I had a 
really good year. And, nice. But I just didn't enjoy it. Like, it wasn't much fun practicing. Yeah. Oh, and, I hated Royal Conservatory. Yeah. That's, I almost quit. I was, my mom's like, well, what can we do to make you not quit piano? Right. I was like, I always want to play Celine Dion. Yeah, you, so my parents helped. They brought me pop. They also was playing oh, Brian Adams. Yeah. Oh, nice. That helped. Um, but I was very insecure. Like, so I remember there was like a recital. I don't know, it might have been seven. And I've done work on this, you know, when I, when I you know, through some of Tony's methods. And um, you'll go to that place where, oh, man, I stored up a lot of fear at that point in time and really hadn't had a lot of help processing that. But there was like From a... recitals? Yeah, yeah. These, this, there was, I remember one, and very vividly... I used to be scared by those two. Right? And The Tools was a good book, too, right? Uh, yeah. There's a process in there that was pain. super helpful. Pain sets me free. Yeah, that one. And then, you know, the one where you get your, you go as the adult you and go hang out with the inner child you? Oh, right, like Shadow? Yeah, and then you're there. Like, so I, I saw myself using that tool as, like, you know, me there with my little me mm-hmm. and being that safe, reassuring self for that person. And then nice. I was, just came alive playing the piano, right? Because I was awesome. reassured and confident. So, but I remember, like, at that event, I was so nervous that I couldn't even put the my foot down on the pedal. Uh, like, it was shaking so much. So, the, but the song had, like, a ton of... Pedal what holds? Call, yeah, whatever you call it, pedal yeah, holds. Yeah, really, so, yeah. can't remember what it's called. So, uh, anyway. Sustains. Yeah, so I remember just bombing that one. And then I used to play the violin. But, again, I was so... I froze. I remember, like, at a church recital, I, like, froze. Like, half of the song, I was like, oh, shit, what's up? Oh, and I just, like, remember, like, stopping. And I looked at the audience. They're all like, what? And I was just like... So I can resonate. <laughs> right? And so I used to, my parents would want me to play for the relatives that when they came over for uh-huh. dinner and stuff. But I was so nervous and insecure that I'd play in the mudroom and close mud that we had like a mudroom, like oh, where like you put crazy. all your dirty yeah. stuff. But it had like a bifold door in it. Uh-huh. So I basically I would play from inside the mudroom so they couldn't see me. Guitar? Yeah, or sorry, yeah. <laughs> right now I'm air guitaring. <laughs> like violin. Oh, viol- oh but, you played violin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This, That's yeah. so cute. Yeah, but that was how insecure I was at that age. And then Violin's how- hard to play because there's no frets. Okay. Yeah. I, I mean, I was good, but very uh, insecure. So I, you touched on a couple of things, the light worker piece too. So the, the kind of wrapping those two things together, mm-hmm. you know, this one of my favorite movies, actually, it's, you know, it's now my, maybe my second, which is a big shift, but it used to be my favorite movie is the matrix. Oh yeah. You know? And so for me, I resonate with the, the hero's journey of Neo. Yeah. And so he's come from a very insecure place where he's working for the people, you know, working in a cubicle, not right. very, not, not awake at all. And then starts to go on the journey of waking up, right? And, and really tapping into his power and his light. And he didn't have very much confidence in his abilities, right? And, you know, he'd, he'd jump, you know, from one building to the next and he couldn't do it because he didn't believe he could. Right. And he's like, I don't get the point of any of this and I don't see what you guys see and all that kind of stuff. So I resonate very strongly with that. Cool. And then, of course, at the end of the first movie, he finally gets it. He's like, well, wait a second, I can do this. Yeah. You know, he makes the leap. He wakes up. He realizes that he is what other people have seen in him. Huh. And he's like, oh, I got it. I am that guy. Let's go. You know, right. and then he flies at the end of it, right? Yeah. So. That's super cool. Yeah, so that, and then there's just, he's waking, then he starts to wake up with other people up in the movie, right? Like, there's scenes where, at the very end of the third one, where it's just like this shadow, this rippling of light from him outward across the planet, waking that's, up other people. Uh, yeah, that's So I love that cool. visual. So it starts from us, right? And it just ripples out. Like the work that you're doing and I'm doing and our, and our brothers are doing. Like we're just waking ourselves up and being the shiniest light we can be. And yeah. it just starts to ripple out. Yeah. I, I, well, Tony's obviously doing that. Yeah. Tony's obviously doing that. And, and um, I like the idea that like just by healing yourself and like feeling better. Nice socks, by the way. <laughs> Is that SpongeBob? These are good luck socks uh, oh, from, from Canada here. Yeah. yeah. Nice. It's a monkey. Oh, it's a monkey. I like monkeys. Yeah. Cool. Um, okay. Just by like basically being in your gifts and, and doing what you love and taking care of yourself like you're, he- you're helping to heal the entire planet isn't that empowering yeah right like 
oh, that's it? Like, I don't need to go and, like, change the world? Like, that seems fairly daunting. Yeah, and it's really stressful. (laughs) Right, like... It would kind of just drive you insane. Well, where do you start? Yeah. If you pick up a newspaper, you know... Yeah. Like, wow. So, obviously, do the thing you feel like you're meant to do, yes. Yeah. Because there's something, I believe, we're on the planet to do, and it's different for each one of us. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, do your own work, and that could have even more profound effect. Absolutely, like you're saying, yeah. Yeah, and what was that effect you were talking about, not um, the butter- butterfly effect? Yeah. It's like we never know how certain actions can help the world if we like, right? just take care of ourselves. And, one, you know. Yeah. Like I've, sto- I've had to stop drinking because I just, I just realized like I need to be clear. And I also spoke to the angel coach about this. And she said she hasn't been drinking for 11 years. Um, what's her name again? Angel coach? Emily. Emily, yeah. yeah. Rivera. You can, Emily Rivera, you can look her up on, on social media as uh, hashtag the angel coach. And yeah, so like she hasn't drunk in 11 years and like... I just realized, like, with all the kundalini yoga I'm doing and, like, eating healthier and stuff, and, like, surrounding myself with high-vibe people, like, I don't need to drink. I don't need mm. to do right. anything because, like, I just feel kind of high all the time now. Right. And, and there's nothing that you want. No, not nothing, but there's less that... Because I used to, you know, drink a little bit. Well, I go through cycles. Not that alcohol is bad. Like, okay. some people can do it. I just realized I can't right now. Yes. <laughs> it, it would take... It would, it would... You know, after I did some of this men's work, I was so lit up. And same with the Tony work and Michael's work. I mean, wherever I'm really tuning into myself, yeah, I feel like if I had a drink, it would lower my vibe, and I just yeah. don't want to. I feel so good, right? That's how I feel. So I clear. Why would that. I want to give that up? Yeah, and there's other things like and there's other like substances that you can do that are like maybe higher vibe, like kratom. If you're a kratom, what's that? Yeah. There's a new company that's um, that's bringing kratom from Bali, and it's uh, when you're in Bali, check it out. It's at this at that tattoo parlor that Colin got her tattoo at. What's okay. it called? It's also like uh, it's called like the Buddha house or something. Okay. But anyway, so kratom is like this, um, it's this tea leaf thing and it makes you feel really super chill and you like don't make bad decisions on it. Well, maybe yeah. I should be loading up over down there, yeah. It's really fun. Yeah, I think I'm going to go do that with my friend Paul in a few days and then go karaoke Sweet. <laughs> well, and you and I were talking about this just before lunch, like how important it is to do things that work with your system, work with your yeah. body that amplify are, you know, divine design, right? Totally. Not not stuff that messes with it. Because alcohol so it, is registered by the body as a poison, isn't it? I guess maybe, I'm, you know, I'm not an expert, but it, yeah. maybe, at certain lo- maybe at certain levels certain it gets, levels it like be. we were talking about that, as long as you work with the system and don't overload it, your body knows what to do. Right. But you run into trouble, and I've run into trouble, when you overload it and you increase the level of toxicity more so than your body can process, mm-hmm. it's just an equation. If you put more in, right. then your body can process out. Where does it go? And so your body goes to work on that, but it can't do the things it's supposed to be doing. And then, yeah, it runs it into tired, health problems. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, true that. It's a simple equation. I yeah. mean, I took you know, math a lot, but... Yeah. Did you take engineering in UBC? Computer engineering, yes. Cute. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. You know, it was great for me because it was... Uh, I didn't... You know, I was good at those things. Mm-hmm. I didn't really know what I was going to do, but I was good at math. I was good at physics. So, hey, I guess that's what I do. I'll go to school. I'll go to... You know, I didn't... Mm-hmm. I wasn't... I was enjoying life, but I wasn't. I wouldn't say I was necessarily all that awake. And, and were you like, in the Neo. same class like, as Eric Hung? I was like Thomas uh, Thomas Anderson, right? Was, that's kind of that which one's was, Thomas Anderson? Neil before he wakes up. Oh, okay. Sorry, what were you saying? Did you go to uh, UBC uh, Computer Engineering with Eric Hung? I I did. Yeah. Okay, so cool. funny enough, we bumped into each other at school, and him and I have had a fun journey. Like we have the same birthday. He was saying. Yeah, and then so we both took um, engineering out there. And uh, and then I joined a fraternity, mm. which was another place where I got to bond with men, mm-hmm. and in a really great way, you know. 
Um, and uh, you know, we were we weren't we weren't the fraternity in the headlines. Let's put it that way. It was a really cool group of guys. Like we were into sports and doing good nice. at school, and we partied. We had some phenomenal parties too. Just because I didn't I didn't find in my class again people that I was able to vibe high with. Yeah. So I was like, where am I going to find that tribe? And you know, I see a sign for free hockey, and I was like, okay, that's a good this, deal. Yeah. Then it turns out to be a fraternity team, and it was a good good ad by them because then they have you over after the game, and you meet all the guys, and they're pouring free beer, and it's like. <laughs> Yeah, I was like, fun. this could be fun for the next four years or three years. Oh, that was my first year. Yeah, next four years, yeah. Cool. Yeah. And you grew up in North Fen? Yeah. Yeah, nice. my parents are in the same house. Nice. Yeah. Uh, and are your parents from Canada or are they from elsewhere? Um, yeah, and a big shout-out to my parents. I mean, like, man, I go and do, like, a week like this with Tony, and I just get, you know, we did some skiing up there, mm-hmm. and I'm just always so appreciative, not always, but I'm getting better at being so appreciative for, like, they, they got me on the mountain in town and in lessons. Nice. And, like, even though I haven't barely skied in the last 10 years, I'm up there doing double black diamonds because, like, sure. I have such a foundation of, like, I'm like, holy cow, look what I can do. Right. Um, and so we you had, started young. It's all there, right? It's in me. I didn't I don't, I don't, didn't need to do anything other than just drop down the mountain. And I'm like, holy cow, my body knows how to do this. That That's was cool. awesome. And we had some guides up there that helped us find some really good snow and stuff I've never done before, even, like, some big drops. Oh, cool. So very appreciative for my parents um they live in north van so my nice. uh father's side you know it's been really cool to go back through that story because i grew up just being canadian and having fun and playing sports but didn't really understand the history that was, of, that was really good being canadian. that was so canadian right that was really good and then i was like well wait a Should second his facial expression i was like wait a second you know, maybe there's more to it than that so I started to appreciate where my both my parents came from and, and my dad's story is in super interesting here in, in Vancouver. Like so he was born in one of the places where they had an internment camp for Japanese during World War Two. Mm. So he, he was, was actually born. He was in, born like there. in the interior. Yeah, in the interior. You know, they didn't even have a school. The government didn't provide a school, so the you know, the kids there were going to school with uh, the Aboriginal people. Mm. I mean, which was, would have been a probably in the super cool experience. Schools? Not no, just like normal, just oh, okay. normal original schools, schools that they had there. Hmm. Um, so that I mean, that would have been. A, I don't quite know what that was like, but I can imagine that'd be a really cool experience. Mm-hmm. But anyways, these these the living conditions for the Japanese in these towns weren't certainly ideal. No. But anyways, just you know, the, that's part of it. And then his dad was actually born. My grandpa was born in um, Vancouver as well. Oh. So that, but they're from originally from Japan. So and my great grandpa's from Japan. Was your grandpa also in the internment camps? So my grandpa, so he was born in Vancouver, and then at a young, he would have been, he was well, at a young age, his dad took him back to Japan and went to school. So he went to school, and then when he was probably like a teenager, it was cool. We found my grandpa's, uh, he did an interview in Japanese, and we found it recently and got it translated. Oh, cool. So it's been super cool to have him, he, hear him tell his story wow. of growing up in Vancouver. So they went back to Japan, and then, his, and then my great-grandpa and my grandpa came back here to work. Hmm. And so they went to work in some sawmills in False Creek. Mm. And then they built a house that's still there today for the sawmill workers. Like my grandpa uh-huh. and my great grandpa built a house that's like a heritage. In False Creek, we're trying to get heritage status for right now. In cool. False Creek, there's like this, you know, it's like got a f- bunch of units and it's being rented out. It's like you know, so it's a wow. really cool piece of history there. So they built that. They used to work in the sawmills, and then, anyways, long story short, you know, that he grew up and had some businesses and some land. Like he had like a bunch of plots of land by where the peony is. Mm. Some really valuable property. Wow. War comes, crazy time, you know. So the Japanese and then they get, got put onto internment camps. Yeah. So every, you know, the same in the U.S. I was just talking to about to this to a guy yesterday about this. Like same in the U.S. where all their stuff got taken. Right. The houses get possessed. The boats, oh property, none of that. All of that goes to the government. So. Wow. Um, and then they get uh, camped up. They all were in, you know, in the P and E, and then they got shipped off to different places out east, up north. Um, that and would so have my, been really traumatic. 
yeah, you just everything you have Intense. and own is taken. And um, but I understand it's it, it's it's war. You know, I, well, I don't I don't totally understand. Obviously, I wasn't there, but I can mm. appreciate that it's a crazy time. No yeah. one no one really knows what to do. Um, fear goes rampant, yeah. and we can sometimes do silly things. So, my grandpa though had some foresight, and so he actually moved his family to the internment camp town before they were forced to move. So oh, it was like his choice. So uh, they moved there. Um, and then the really cool part of the story that I love is that after the world was over and they came back to Vancouver, yeah. he was one of the first people, I think he was the first, or one of the first, he said in his interview, to go into City Hall and ask for a business license again. Oh. And so he's got nothing. You know, they come back with nothing. And he goes into the City Hall and he asks them for a business license and the woman looks at him and he's like, really? You sure? You want to do this again? And he's like, yeah, just, you know, it's all good, you know. I mean, no, no victim, no, yeah. no, like, hard, like, you know, no, he's not angry, but he's like, no, I just, just, just give me a business license, I'm just going to do it again. Yeah. So then they bought a house and, and some land and, they, you know, ran a store and wow. and then just had this great, great story about getting into insurance and, cool. um, yeah, so so that's, that's uh, yeah, that's my dad's son. So your great-great-grandfather grew up in Japan. Yeah. And was he... Are you part of like a samurai lineage? Did I hear that from somewhere, or is that just... sure? <laughs> that's, a, that's, that's fun to think about. I think I was maybe in a previous life. Cool. Um, my great, we got to go and visit where where, where my great grandpa, li- great grandma lived in, in Japan, and it was like in the samurai's hut. Oh. Outside, like this castle with this like moat around it. She lived in the it. castle. No, she lived in the samurai hut, but that like protected the castle yeah, or something. Yeah. Uh, cool. And then, um, yeah. But I, I, do you I, know much about samurai culture? A little bit. I heard they like drank matcha green tea before they they did their training to focus them. Okay. I, and I, I heard like that matcha they t- green tea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I heard that there was a lot of focus on like the hara, and like there was this thing called death by hara where they oh, would like yeah. put a sword in their things if they're about to be like so they wouldn't submit to their enemy. Sure. And like that's kind of coincides with Kundalini yoga. Like the hara is always talked about. They call it the lower uh, in Chinese medicine. They call it the lower dantian. In yoga, they call it the navel point. Yeah. And so, yeah, I just, and you were talking in our conversation before about Aikido and how you bring the energy down and it makes you more grounded. Yeah. Yeah. More powerful. That's a pretty powerful place right there. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Then many different cultures and practically call different things, but it's the same place. And in India, when they chant Hara, they pull the navel point in. It's like you're chanting Hara from that point. Yeah. We did some fire breathing with Tony. Like he's, he's integrated all these different practices, you know, kind of made it his thing. But you know, where they, you know, eventually you're like, oh wow, that's, that's from over here. And. But yeah, I think we were samurai. There's a group of us, I think. That we're all samurais. In a previous life, you know. Cool. Yeah, well, so when I go to Japan, sometimes they put me in the in the Japanese lineup instead of the gaijin lineup. Really? Yeah, they, like, mistake me for a Japanese person. Like, if I don't have any facial hair, yeah. and I'm wearing, like, a little fedora or something, we'll be like, oh, you go there. There's like, something no, energetic, right? Where maybe. that's why you resonate so well with the, the people Could there, right? Maybe, yeah. Even last night at my show in Vancouver, there were a lot of Japanese ladies. It's fascinating. Yeah, so I sang one song in Japanese. Yeah, I'd like to do. We, we should. Yeah, let's put Japan on the map. You know, that'd yeah. be fun for me to go back there, and we could put on another retreat. And and you can meet Akira. Put on a con- put on a con- put on another concert. Yeah, like, you would just rock it. You've already it's rocked so it there fun. before. I love, I love it. That'd be there. so awesome. Super fun. Yeah, I learned a lot about Japan in this week too. Like, nice. Not not sorry. I knew I know a bit, but I learned a different perspective. I didn't appreciate. Like, there's one guy who came in and spoke about demographics okay. and how influential those are on you know obviously life and economies and markets and this kind of thing yeah and so he's just giving a good overview of different countries in japan you know and i just i don't watch the news and i don't I didn't necessarily pay attention to this that much but japan's in a serious declining population situation oh i heard about that yeah so if something doesn't happen there what you know if the if a population continues to decrease what what where, where does that go could that be beneficial though because it's so overpopulated there 
maybe to a point, to but a point. then it, if you don't There's correct like that situation, there. then what? You just got an island of robots or something? Like, yeah. Yeah, 100 years from now, or I don't know, 1,000 years from now? So I'm sure we're, we're smart, intelligent beings. I'm sure something will shift down the road, but yeah. it's just interesting to look at the, the graphs that the guy shows and think about what that in, what implies, you know? Totally. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. What time do you have to go? Because you said you have a meeting at four. Yeah. Let's check what time it is. Oh, just one sec. So, we'll finish. I just want to ask you one more question. Um, what books have you been reading lately, and and uh, which ones do you recommend? Uh, well, there's one late recently that's very topical. I was just thinking about thinking of before we started chatting here. That's the Surrender Experiment by Michael Singer. Yep. Yeah. Cool. So our team Team Zero Zero One, we're all reading that together, and oh, nice. we'll share our. Have you read the um, Untethered Soul? I haven't yet. Okay, you I recommend? like that. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. really good. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it, cool. You know, we learn through so much through story, right? And oh, yeah. he's been so kind to share his, and it's so great to just reflect on. Yeah, like the, some of them. And he talks about visualizing blue. Like he didn't. He would fast. He visualize blue and the sound H U emanating from his his hara, his navel point. Right. Connection there. So yeah. So one key thing is yeah, meditation and yoga huge pillar for him for that entire story to unfold right that's right. where it started yeah. so I was like after reading the first few chapters I was like alright I'll just sink a little deeper into my meditation practice that nice. makes a lot of sense thanks for that showing up at this perfect time right so that was a great additional perspective how important that was to quiet his mind I mean and you look at a lot of like Jerry Seinfeld's a big meditator and so was Steve Jobs I believe right mm -hmm. Steve Jobs would say I want to slow down the monkey chatter mm -hmm. to allow the ox brain to kind of come through which is that more slow and steady and you know powerful confident oh, cool. rather than you know chirpy chirpy monkey chatter so right. Michael Singer was trying to not trying Michael Singer was quieting the chatter as well of his mind mm -hmm. that was like the stout and the worry and all that and just get to that quiet confidence yeah. and allow whatever is meant to happen happen and so it's a great story to look oh, at I love the way you just described mm -hmm. that because I was yeah th thank you for that that's that was really clarifying because when I look at my life and some of the most magical things that have happened I didn't plan for them I didn't schedule them I let them happen right like meeting my wife and, and getting pregnant like I mean maybe there was some intention obviously uh, from a from a different place but like they were just they were just magic and I couldn't, I can't possibly, and I could have not let them happen. That's, that's possible. Mm -hmm. But I totally let them. I was like, she, you know, she really helped me figure out what a yes feels, felt like and meant. And, and, and that's why I like got Like when it. your body feels something is a yes. Yeah. And then, and then, and then, yeah. And I was willing to be like, hey, that. by the way, we're, we're pregnant after being together three months. And I was like, you know, there could have been a lot of reasons or excuses to be like, well, I don't know, you know, but I was like. This is a yes. More than anything I've ever felt before, this is yeah. an absolute yes. We will figure this out. I'm committing to you for the rest of my life. We're going to create this amazing family and life nice. together, right? Like, so really feeling and, and, and being a yes was a, was a great part of our journey. And so that book for me is just when those things show up in life is being in a place where you're quiet enough and clear enough to be like, yes. Right. Even though there's a lot of me that would normally be resistant or maybe even still some resistance now, like fear and... But like, huh. you know, no, no, this is amazing. This is a yes, even though I have no idea why this is showing up now. Right. Um, and so that, that is, that's a phenomenal book for, for just reinforcing that in my own life. Cool. And obviously reinforcing meditation and how important that is. And yeah, you went from being a yogi to like this tech multi-millionaire billionaire, right? So that, in terms of serving the world with some, some software that he, that he built himself. Cool. So yeah, so fantastic story. And then the only other, the other sorry, the, there's a few other books that I always find myself recommending over and over again. Mm -hmm. So Four Agreements, Oh, I love that one. You know, like I've coded that into my DNA. Always do your best. Mm -hmm. Be impeccable with your word. Don't make assumptions. And 
fuck, I can't, I can never remember. <laughs> did, you, did you ever say don't take it personally? Oh yeah, don't take it personally. Yeah. You know, like, just to live from that place as a foundation is yeah, incredible how that turns so up, right? Yeah, through that. That alone is life-changing if you actually implement those into your day-to-day. Yeah. Big, I feel like you have to have a strong enough nervous system to not take anything personally. Fair enough. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's, a, you know, it's a daily practice, like right? The cold showers and, like, jumping into the ocean have helped, helped with that one. Because I always, I still find that difficult sometimes. I'm like, yeah. I don't want this. But I'm yeah. like, no, just have a fucking cold shower. Shut up. Fair <laughs> enough. Yeah, yeah. And then the big leap. Oh, yeah, I've heard of that. Oh, yeah. That, that book I've read more than many. And it's not that long, but what's packed in that is just incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and then in, in a business sense, the, the Lean Startup, I, I recommend that a ton. But, um, yeah, I don't have a lot of books. I mean, I read lots of them, but I don't. And you know, there's only a few that, I've, that I really, like, have made sure I, the tools, you know, like, yeah, integrate into my life and way of being. Totally. And those ones have been super helpful. And several of those came through the men's group. Nice. Yeah. Cool, man. Well, thank you for your time today. Well, yeah, thank you so much and it's for so having nice me. to connect in person. I missed you. <laughs> yeah, right? We're chat- well, yeah, we got to hang out there in Bali at, at mm-hmm. this phenomenal retreat we put together. and then, But, uh, well, we get to see each other now in these magical places, doing magical things with other totally. people. And, it's amazing. Awesome, yeah, man. Thank you. Thank you for your time. Thanks for listening, guys. Have a beautiful week. Sat Nam. Hope you enjoyed that interview with Ryan. He's such an amazing man. He has inspired me so much to step up my game and he supported me with creating uh, an amazing concert with some of my most talented friends. We did a big show at the Vancouver East Cultural Center last month and it's just made me realize the importance of brotherhood, of community, of connection. I was also grateful to travel to Bali with Ryan and Lara Kozan and Colin and a few other friends and lead an amazing healing retreat called Rise and Revive in Bali and Oman in the jungle. It was so amazing. Thank you, Ryan, for that amazing experience. And also that I got to try a durian fruit and cat poop coffee. That was pretty (laughs) unique experience too. Um, Look out for more retreats coming up all around the world. Go over to Instagram and follow Ryan Yada at being.ryanyada. You can check out the amazing work that he's doing with his company, Flow Motion Entertainment and also his involvement in Backpack Buddies and Boys Club Network. Hope you have a beautiful week, and if you like my music that's been featured on this podcast, head over to iTunes and download my newest album, Wild Horses, and my next live album will be coming out in two weeks. Satnam.